Welcome to the Trap Shooters United podcast. I am your host and owner, Joe Brumfield. I created this to help share, showcase, and support this amazing sport by talking to shooters, vendors, parents, and companies. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Trap Shooters United or like us on Facebook. This episode is fueled by Fioki, high-quality ammunition manufactured right in the heart of America with locations in Ozark, Missouri and Little Rock, Arkansas. I choose Fioki because it's loaded in the USA and has extremely light recoil while still crushing targets. But you may be thinking to yourself, Joe, why should I believe you? You're just a mediocre weekend shooter. And you know what? Point taken. Even though I am the Event 12 Graffin Sons Class D doubles champion, let me find someone with a lot more credibility. Hey everyone, this is Shelby Skaggs, ATA All-American, Oklahoma Trap Shooting Hall of Fame member. In our sport, being consistent is the key to success. Fioki's line of shotgun ammunition is second to none in this regard. Proven by my 772 straight in the singles competition during the 2022 Grand American, experience the Fioki difference. If you're like me, customer service is at the top of the list when it comes to buying anything. Combine that with the lowest prices and highest trade-in values, Michael Gooch with Indiana Gun Club is without question the number one choice for your next gun. With one of the largest new and used inventory selections in the country, Indiana Gun Club will have the right gun for you. If you're looking to buy your first competition gun, upgrade out of your current gun, or just simply wanting to add to your collection, Michael Gooch provides a five-star experience every step of the way. Give Michael a call at 317-502-2675 or send an email to gotgunguy43 at yahoo.com. I've personally purchased two guns from Michael, and I guarantee you're going to be treated right. Other sponsors of the podcast include AJ Supplies, Diamond 8 Leather, Herod Insurance, Shamrock Sporting Arms, and Ezox CLP and Gun Care Solution. All right, welcome to episode 62 of the Trap Shooters United podcast. My guest today is a nine-time ATA All-American, six-time Satellite Grand Champion, the 499th person to complete the ATA Grand Slam, AAA 27 AAA shooter, Ian Lawrence. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Go ahead and kick us off a little bit with a little bit about yourself, how old you are, where you're from, all that fun stuff. So I am 21 years old. I am from Southern Illinois, a little town called Heron. I live about an hour and a half south of Sparta for all of those who come to the Grand. And uh, I'm going to college for business, currently at just a local junior college. Uh, do you have any idea what you're going to be pursuing after college? Um. No, nothing, nothing for sure yet. I've got a lot of ideas, but nothing yeah. certain. Just taking that goes. So you're 21. So are you a, are you a junior then yet? Is this your junior year? Yes. Gotcha. So take us back to how you got started shooting because you're 21. You've been in all American nine times. Um, that. I mean, there's there's some 67-year-olds that haven't been All-American nine times. So take us back to how you got kind of started shooting. So 
I first got it started in trap shooting when I was 10 years old. Um, I believe that's when I first registered my first targets. I was, it was in 2012. So I was born in December of 2001. So I would have been 10, 11 years old in the time frame that that was. And, uh, it was just kind of a random off chance thing. I was out at a local small gun club and there was a coach for a small youth trap shooting team from around here who was out there at the time and had seen me just, you know, shooting, messing around and told me that I should, uh, come and join his youth team. So I did. And I started shooting just, you know, local youth stuff and so on and so forth as far as that goes. And, uh, then finally one year, it was 2015, I convinced my mom and my dad to take me up to the grand and let me shoot a day. And when that happened, I broke a hundred and a handicap from the 19 yard line. And, uh, so I was very happy and I ended up, um, being the lone hundred that day, won the event outright. And so I convinced them to take me back the next day. And so the next day I went back and I ended up breaking a 99 in the handicap from the 21 yard line, I believe 21 or 22 and, um, gotten a shoot off that day and ended up winning the shoot off and won that event. So convinced them to go back a third day and I broke 98 in that handicap event and tied for champion again. And I think I lost that shoot off and then no, I one of the, I'm pretty sure I lost that one. I may have won it. I don't know. how so long ago. I can't remember, but, um, no, my bad. Sorry. I did. I did win that shoot off. Um, and I won three handicap events in a row at the grand American. And I was the second person ever to do that. I tied a record with, um, Ray Stafford and, uh, that's a pretty good person to tie. Yeah. So that kind of kicked me off into realizing, Hey, I, I may be okay at this. So, um, then that next year, which was 2016, I convinced my parents to, you know, take me and start traveling around to start doing all American. I'd heard about it, learned about it and, uh, really wanted to do it. And so I convinced them to, uh, take me around in 2016 and start our traveling all American circuit. That's kind of how I got started into, uh, what it is now. Do you remember what your very first score was out of 25? I want to say it was like 20 or 21. Yeah. It, it's, it seems like a lot of folks who have like a, a, like a 20 or 21 as their first time. I don't like, like Mason, um, Barlow, I think he ran 25 his first time or, or broke 24 or something. It's just, it's just a weird, like natural, you know, kind of talent, you know, especially being as young as you were, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old or whatever. Uh, last night when I was doing some, some searching around, I came across the video. There's an interview of you. You're like, I think it was that year at the grand. It was. And it was like, I was like, man, he looks so young. <laughs> I was 13 years old. Uh, do you recall what was like, what was your men mentality? I guess, you know, obviously you ran a hundred and then the next day you ran and you broke it like a 99 
and then you backed it up with like another 98. Do you do you recall like being nervous or was it just you were just going out there and shooting? I was just shooting. I was so young and pretty naive in most of everything. And it was just another day for me to be out there shooting. And I was just, you know, happy to be able to be at the Grand and be competing. <laughs> so uh, it, it just, it never really crossed my mind to think about anything that I was doing really. Yeah. And so now when you go to the Grand, obviously you're there for the entire was it 10 days or whatever. Right. Um, are you staying in a camper or are you going back and forth? No. So I stay in a camper. Yeah. Everywhere. Oh, I, I travel around and I, I stay at the grounds most of the time. Yeah. I mean, being an hour and a half away, I mean, you're close enough. You could, you can make the haul, but. Right. But as you know, I mean, being out there in, in those hot days and such, is just so nice to just go in your camper and chill. Right. Exactly. Or after a long day, you know, you've been in shoot offs, yep. you know, to midnight or one o'clock in the morning and you don't want to have to drive and I'm going to have back home. So, um, from tw- 2016 to 2017, it's like something clicked, um, with you as, as far as your shooting ability is concerned. Um, I'm showing that you went from a 94 in singles to a 97 average. Uh, handicap was a 90 to a 91, but then doubles was an 89 to a 95. Uh, the singles and doubles obviously were some pretty big jumps. Do you recall kind of what happened between that 2016 and 2017 target year? You know, I, I went out and I shot a lot and I just, you know, my mom was always a person who was there and, and helped me learn a lot through this sport. Um, especially as far as like mental game goes and and stuff like that and just being out there and traveling around and meeting you know all sorts of new people and you know having people help me along the way when i was younger um i just i learned a lot in that time frame that helped be able to boost me you know and i just kind of started running with that so it was it was sounds like it's more of like a mental thing that you kind of just kind of work through right yeah it was just it was figuring out you know i was still young i had to figure out you know really get the basics down and um then i had to get my mental game down and once once i got that and it was just kind of like a rocket ship from there up yeah now what's your what you mentioned your mom what's her background does she have any background and did she play sports or anything when she was younger or what did she do for for her profession, I guess. Well, so she is a insurance adjuster currently. Um, but my parents for most of my life owned uh, a construction company. We designed and built custom homes. Okay. And, um, we did that up until I was 18 or 19. And, uh, but my mom, she was a, a softball and volleyball player through high school and in college. And, um so she just kind of had a an idea of you know the mental side of sports and you know what it you know being an athlete isn't always just physical ability and take capability as well yeah and then i mean customs home custom homes that's that could be stressful as well too so it's you know sounds like you can manage that (laughs) very good and she uh she lived in a house with all boys, so uh, she was very good at uh, managing people. 
Now, the Grand Slam you hit, um, you did that in July of 19. Um, handicap was your final leg. What do you recall on that day? Uh, I, re- I just, uh, I recall I wanted that so bad. I had wanted it for so many years. And honestly, I always figured that um, the 200 bird event and singles would be the last thing that I would need because I, I hated singles. Mm-hmm. Always and uh always loved handicap always figured i'd break 100 in handicap before the 200 and well your it sounds like your first 100 was in handicap from you know the 18 or right. 19 yard line right yes but as far as the grand slam went i always kind of figured i i would get the 100 from the 27 first and um it didn't end up going that way but when i finally did it it was in wisconsin i remember which was one of the least likely of places that I would have thought that I would have done it. I don't know if you've ever been to Wisconsin, but it's it's a great place, and I love the people there. Um, but the background's a little different. The There's rows of trees that run straight north and south with you. So when the target's flying, it just kind of looks like it's going through little shadows. And... Uh, I was shooting with some friends of mine and one of my good friends, Clayton McGee, uh, he was shooting with me when I broke it. And, uh, I just remember I was so ecstatic. I couldn't even really believe that I had done it. And, uh, everybody just came up and started hugging me and my mom ran out and gave me a hug. And I was just so relieved to finally have that gone and finally have that out of the way. So I didn't have to worry. (laughs) Now, what were your what was going through your head on that when you go to you're walking to the last post uh trying everything i could do to you know not think about the obvious <laughs> not about what i was about to do had did you make it to the last trap any time before that straight one one time i had i had yeah. done it in Ohio, and uh I was actually walking, I was, I missed my 93rd one. So it was on the second to last post. That would hurt. Yeah. Not as bad as the last one, but that would still hurt. No, it it did. It hurt. But, uh, I've, uh, that's since then, that's not the only time I've missed later. One other time now, one time at the end in 2000 and, 20 i believe it was when it was in missouri i missed my 95th and my 100th for a 98 oh wow that's a bummer how many hundreds do you have from the 27 now you have you have a couple yeah i have three three so out of out of the three legs which one do you think you were the most nervous on definitely the handicap handicap Definitely. Yeah. I, I feel like it probably, no matter what it would have been, is the last one would have been what I was the most nervous on, whether it would have been the singles. Or the, I mean, it was like, get that grand slam. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of good shooters out there that haven't, that don't have their grand slam. And it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to accomplish. I mean, there's only 500 and something, 500 and I don't know, 20 some people now or something that that have done it out of however many shooters that, that there's been, you know? Right. No, it's, it's a very prestigious thing. And I feel very honored to be a part of that. 
Now, do you have do you have your grand grand slam? I do. You do? I know I if do. one of those hundreds were at the grand or not. It was actually in 2022 was when I got my grand grand slam. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually it was it was one of my more memorable ones because I was um it was during prelim week. It was the trap and field handicap and uh me and Keith Ditto were shooting together. Um it was me, Keith Ditto, Trey Wilburn, um gosh, who else was it? Chandler Brown, I believe. And um gosh, I don't remember who the fifth person was. But anyway, I was on post two or post three and um Keith Ditto was on post four. And me and him both broke hundreds and the handicap that day standing next to each other. Oh wow. So that was fun. That was cool. Yeah, that 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 doesn't happen very often on the same squad. No, it, it doesn't. It was definitely something to something to watch. But I was glad to break mine before he broke his. <laughs> Put a little bit, little bit added pressure on him. Right. I don't know. Keith, Keith seems to be like he's pretty like locked in, focused wise. I don't. I don't even know if he's looking at anybody's. <laughs> anybody's targets he did he just stands there like a statue well it was it was hilarious because so after i broke it he had his gun up already and as soon as i broke my target he just kind of put his gun back down and i saw him take a breath (laughs) gun back up and he broke it and he came walking off and he came over to me and he's like man he's like once i saw you break yours he's like i told myself i can't miss mine now (laughs) well that's not what you need to be thinking about keith yeah let me guess, you had a red double A shirt on. Oh, always. <laughs> What's been your gun progressions? What did you start shooting with and then take us into what you're shooting now? So the very first gun I ever started shooting with was my mother's Benelli M2 for duck hunting. That was the first gun I ever used on a trap field. And then I ended up getting a Winchester Select Energy. Um, just, you know, kind of a more entry level over and under. And I shot that for maybe a year or so or two years. And, uh, then I saved up all my money from working with my parents. And I also had a lawn mowing business throughout the summer and I bought a proxy MX three special. And, um, that's the gun that I went to the grand with and, um, really started shooting well with and just I progressed with that gun and I shot that gun until 2018 I want to say it was was that just the over and under or was it did you have no, combo? the MX3 special it was a top single okay it was a, a top single combo and uh then in 2018 it had a uh, it has a soft touch in the stock and uh, the aluminum rods and the soft touch just blew apart and shattered. And uh, nobody could fix it. So uh, I ended up uh, borrowing a high-tech and shot it and was just fell in love with it. And then got the gun that I still shoot today, which is a um, Prozzi high-tech RS 3-notch. Gotcha. Um, what are you, what's your current setup as far as, does it have chokes? Is it fixed chokes? It's fixed. Do you know what they're, what they're mic'd at? 
Um, yeah. So the single barrel, the unsingle barrel is running about 41 thousandths. And then the OU barrel is about 36 thousandths on the bottom barrel and about 40 on the top. Okay. So over the over and under is pretty tight. Yes. I've always preferred tighter. Yeah. Now, is that factory choked or did you have it, you done with Wilkinson or? Nope. That's, that's factory. Yeah. That's factory proxy. Um, how do you have the, um, the rip set up? Um, I have it at its second lowest setting. So there's only three notches. That's why it's called a three notch. And, um, there's 50, 50, 60, 40 and 70, 30. And I have it set on 60, 40. Okay. So pretty, pretty flat shooting gun overall. Yes. I tend to, I've always been a duck hunter and I've always shot lower shooting guns. And that's just something that I've always felt was more natural to me. And I just always stuck with it. Yeah. Um, choosing the high tech. Did you, did you look at the MX line at all? Or did you only choose the high tech just because you borrowed it? No, I, I obviously I've shot most proxies that there are out there and I've shot a lot of them before I had ever shot a high tech. Um, I loved the MX 2000. That was honestly what I really had wanted. Um, but then when I got the high tech and I just, I just fell in love with it because it, I feel like the high tech is just a little bit more balanced and it, it's not really lighter but it feels just kind of lighter because it's just so much more balanced overall. And um, I just, I loved it so much more that that's what I decided to go with. I was trying to do some research and figure out like what the differences were between the MXs and the high tech. Obviously the high tech's a little newer, like as far as design goes. Um, The only thing I could find that I could, that I could really, you know, bring up is it seems like, um, I don't know if the receiver is thicker, um, helps with recoil a little bit more. Is that, is there anything else that I'm missing? So what they did on the difference between like, um, let's say the MX 10 RS and the HTRS, which is basically the same gun. It's the comparable gun. The, only differences is the receiver is going to be three millimeters wider on each side and so what that did was that helped move the center of mass just a little bit further back a little bit further into the hands and then obviously they changed the style of the rib it's different ht style rib is different from the mx style rib but everything mechanically and anything like that is all the same yep now, do you have, are you shooting a factory stock or do you have any other type of stock on it? So, um, I have, it's not just like your regular off the shelf Prozzi stock, but it is a Prozzi stock that is custom made to me. Your dimensions and whatnot. Right. Yes. Correct. Gotcha. What are, what are some other gear that you use? What, what glasses are you using? Um, so I, I use Pila's. I use the Pila Panther X6s. And, uh, the reason I, I went with those is I 
found out when I was probably 15 or 16 that I needed prescription. And so, um, I went with, uh, the pillows because I knew that I could get the, uh, metal frame with the actual glass inserts to where I could just take that glass insert to my optometrist and have them change that that way, you know, like whereas, you know, Rangers or even certain other pillows, you have to go buy new lenses every time your prescription changes and, mm-hmm. you know, so forth. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so what, when you're, when you mount the gun, what do you see looking down the, the, the rib? Do you see space between the beads? Are they stacked? Are they kind of in line with each other? They're, they're stacked. So it, it's more of a figure eight rather than like a snowman. It's, it's the, the mid bead is creeping up, you know, probably halfway on the front bead. That's how I have my I have my setup. I, that's what's the why I, what I prefer. I don't like to see a, a lot of gap. I just I it seems like I get all off balance or something. <laughs> Creates an almost an optical illusion. I feel yeah. like oh for sure. So as far as your hold points and look points, can you kind of walk through those for for all three disciplines? So my hold points. Um, don't vary a lot i i tend to hold a higher gun which um most people tend to tell me they can't believe that i do considering i shoot such a low point of impact shooting gun um but i tend to hold a pretty high gun you know my gun will typically be level with my body you know um which can be depending on the trap field and you know where it's at obviously could be three to four foot above in singles and then in handicap i'll tend to bring that up a little bit higher okay so you're going up even higher on handicap yeah right and um then in doubles i'm just i got i always get a mark you know whether it be a piece of grass or a tree or whatever it is that uh i see that the first target is going in line with and i pick a spot on that and uh that's where i i hold my gun and i tend to spot shoot i don't move my gun much on my first shot and doubles mm-hmm. i just hold it where i want to shoot it and when it gets there i pull the trigger and then for the second bird are you doing kind of the loop up or are you just kind of going straight across or i'm kind of making like a u shape almost so i'm just kind of coming from the underneath side of it so that I have, you know, I can see it the whole way Mm -hmm. that way, you know, I'm shooting the first one and I'm just kind of drawing like almost a small U shape over to the second one. So I see it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing dramatic. Right. I, when I, when I practice doubles, cause I, I need to get better at that. Um, I struggle, I struggle. I I just want to go straight over and then it's like almost like I just, I shoot over it because I'm, I just kind of make that angle over instead of dropping down. But then when I try to drop down, I make it so dramatic <laughs> that I'm like, you know, trying to chop wood or something. Right. You know, and uh, one of my one of my good friends, Sean Hawley, he has a very exaggerated U shape. And that's something that uh, he's always stuck by was, you know, really getting up underneath that second target. So, you, you know, where it's at and can get a good visual on it. 
Now, do you shoot all the right birds first or do you shoot it the more traditional way? I shoot it the, the more traditional way. I shoot uh, right bird first through post three and then I shoot the left bird first on post four and five. Gotcha. Well, do you have any like pre-shot routine that you do? Oh, definitely. Um, so I do, there are some things that some people give me crap about. I, I tend to, uh, do a thing with my hat where I, I move my hat and kind of mess with my hair before I shoot. And like, uh, I'll pull my shirt down and mess with my earplugs. And I do all that. Like, that's just something that I help keep myself in a routine and a rhythm and, you know, use that to, um, not let my mind wander other places because I'm like, okay, do this, do this, do this. All right. Yeah. My turn. You know, I was, I was watching you. I think it was in, um, in Ohio, the Cardinal center and you were shooting. I think you were shooting with Gooch and I had never watched you shoot before. And I was looking, I was like, I was like, man, why does he keep doing that with his hair? Like, <laughs> but I was like, he does, he does the same thing every single time. And I mean, it works. So why stop doing it? Yep. It used to be much more exaggerated than it is now. As I've gotten older, it's toned down more. Um, and, uh, Mike is one of those people, Gooch, that, uh, has put up with me since I was a, a young little guy in this sport and, you know, helped, uh, helped you know, form me in certain ways and grow in the sport. Uh, when I was watching, I think it was doubles and he threw a shell at you when you, when you finished shooting, I was like, well, I, I'm, I'm assuming Ian just ran him. So <laughs> the time when I do good, I, uh, I have to turn around because I know there's a shell coming at me from Gooch. <laughs> uh, handicap tips or your process when it comes to handicap, you've had a 95 plus average the last three years in a row. And that, that's, that's pretty darn good. So what, what would be your best advice when it, when it comes to handicap, especially shooting, you know, long yardage? You know, I honestly and truthfully believe that shooting long yardage, especially after you've done it for a while, is easier than shooting, you know, say mid yardage, you know, that like 23 to 26 yard range, you know, that can be a, a pretty difficult range for a lot of people. A lot of people get stuck there. Um, but once you finally make it back to the 27 and you can just stay there for a while and figure, figure out, you know, what works for you. Of course, everybody's a little bit different. Um, but like, the biggest things for me are um, holding a higher gun because I believe if you're making less movement, you have less room for, you know, that human error. Because, you know, statistically, when you shoot at a handicap target with all the conditions perfect, you only have a 96.33% chance of hitting. So... In reality, every time you break over a 96 is technically there's a little bit of luck in with it. You know, you're you're getting a little lucky. So, you know, doing everything that you can to help prevent that human error from occurring, you know, definitely helps. And one of the biggest things with me from long yardage is 
is when I'm helping people and coaching other people is people tend to move their gun a lot as soon as they call pull. Which in singles, you can get away with it because it's the 16-yard line. You got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. When you get back to the 27, once you move, you're covering that target up. And now you're not seeing it like you should. So, like, the biggest tips, you know, for people that I see who are struggling from, like, the 27-yard line or even, you know, 26, um, is they tend to be moving their gun when they call pull. So, like, I'll just randomly shut the trap off, and they'll call pull, and their gun will go, Yep. You know, I'll see that gun barrel move up, and there was no target. It's like, okay, you know, you got to work on that. And the only way to do that is just have somebody sit there and randomly shut the trap off, you know, until you get it drilled into yourself to not move that gun until you see a target. Mm -hmm. Where, I've never heard that um, stat, the 96.33. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> so that was, and granted, that's not something that I know has been proven but it was always something that i was told from many people that when everything is perfect the perfect conditions all the weather is perfect you know no wind no variables other than the target flying in the same path every time and you and your human ability to shoot that there would be a 96.33 percent chance of you actually breaking that target yeah it's interesting i don't i don't know if there's any way to actually prove that but the fact that you know holding a 96 handicap average is something that very few people ever achieve it is something that i could fully believe in oh yeah i mean i i don't know what the average is for the entire ata or even from the 27 yard line in general but I know it is much less than that. <laughs> yeah. Correct. You know, it's 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 hard to, you know, consistently break good handicap scores from the 27-yard line because, you know, on a day where there's wind or, you know, the conditions aren't great, it, it's, it's much more challenging than, you know, per se, somebody who's on the 18-night, well, the 18-yard line isn't a thing anymore, but the 19 and 20-yard line. Now, do you... You mentioned that you feel like it's easier shooting from further back once you get back there and kind of get your own type of, you know, rhythm and routine going. Um, do you feel like it's a little bit of a, an, an advantage for you being on the 27, knowing that you're, you're not going to get moved back, you know, any farther, at least anytime soon, unless they really, you know, want to mess with it, but. Versus, you know, constantly jumping back and forth between those yardages. I think that it does have its advantages to it. Now, granted, you know, the 27-yard line has its disadvantages along with those. But I think that being able to just stay on one yardage and really try and figure that one yardage out does help. And, you know, being able to learn it in all different conditions, you know. Yeah. If you're sitting on the 22-yard line and you go out and break a 98, well, that's the last time you have to worry about that one, you know? So I think that there's advantages with that for sure. And I, I know I'm guilty of this. I'm on the 26, and every time I go to shoot handicap, I'm thinking, 
I just need to pop a 97 today. <laughs> that's the wrong thing to think about, but it, that's, that's what pops in your head. So I, I feel like, you know, anybody on the 20, 21, 22, they're, they want to get yardage. Like they want to move back. So I think that's in their head versus speed on the 27. You're already there. You've already, you've already got your grand slam. So that's not in your head anymore. So it's, it's, I think for you, it's just, I'm just here to break targets. You know, it's, it's hard. You don't have as much in your head going through, you know, as far as goal wise and all that stuff. Right. Exactly. You know, I, I obviously still have goals that I want to achieve and, but they're not so much, you know, things that have to do with being out there daily, you know, yeah. they're, they're long-term goals that what, what are your long, long-term goals? You know, I definitely want to win a ring. That's something that I have been close at several times before, um, and have not yet to do, um, I would like to break another record of some kind, you know, whether it be like a HOA record or, you know, a long run record. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to break one of my good friends, Dave Schaefer's long run. <laughs> He's, uh, Dave helped me out a lot when I was younger and, uh, he was a good person to me. Um, so being able to do that i think would be pretty cool or being able to break leo's hoa record out of the thousand that would be pretty cool what's that 992 or 993 nine I, th- I believe it's 992 yeah that's that's a pretty stout record and dave dave's record's pretty stout too what the fast what's the long run record for doubles um sean holly has it so i think 11 or 1200 um, I want to say it's like 1100. Yeah. There needs to be, there's need to, I don't know if there's a place or not to go look at this stuff, but I always try to look at, but there is, it's hard to find and you kind of got to search for it on like the ATA website, which I, I definitely feel like it should be more available and should, you know, kind of be a more celebrated thing than it is. Cause you know, those are big. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's. It, there, those are those are some long-standing records that you know are definitely going to be hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, I I think you should just go out and do the doubles record this year. Just just go out and pop it. <laughs> that, I would love to do that. I'm sure Sean would give me some crap over it, but <laughs> let's give a give a little bit of a recap of the 2023 season. Where, where do you typically start shooting at and just kind of go through your schedule, some highlights, and then we'll end at the grand, obviously. So I normally will start shooting in May. I'll go to the Missouri State shoot. Um, that's my first shoot of the year. And uh, I have a bad habit of uh, not uh, not practicing as much as I should before the first shoot of the season. So I usually start off a little slow there, but, uh, I did good there. I did okay there this year. Um, nothing too special. And, uh, the last few years I, after that went out to, um, Vernal, Utah to Sean shoot the Western grand. And that was a phenomenal shoot. Um, but this year I decided to step a little closer to home and I went to the U S open. And uh, had a phenomenal shoot there. I shot 
great. I had, uh, I think I broke 987 out of 1,000. I'm in the HOA and uh, 398 out of the 400 in the all-around. Um, did not win either of them, actually. I got beat by Dagan for both of those. Dagan went on a tear at the U.S. Open. <laughs> he did. He did. I mean, I shot great, but Dagan shot even better. And, you know, you can't knock a performance like that. I mean, he shot phenomenal all week. Um, I believe he broke 990 out of the 1,000. So, and 399 out of the 400. So, me and him were going back and forth at it all week, but uh, it was it was a fun one to be a part of, and watching him do that was pretty awesome. Where'd you end up going after after the U.S. Open? Um, so after the U.S. Open, it went. I went to um, Pennsylvania. I always go to Pennsylvania. I love going out there. It's a great shoot. I have lots of friends out that way, and um get to see all those friends and i shot pretty well i i usually shoot pretty well in pennsylvania um didn't you know shoot anything particularly phenomenal but pennsylvania is a tough place to shoot you know it's definitely up there for one of the toughest places in the country to shoot at in my opinion um the I'm, I'm showing at 99 and handicaps so at, at pennsylvania that's that's basically 100 in pennsylvania <laughs> yeah <laughs> there and it was uh i actually missed um my 89th one so that was the last box i missed that one. Oh wow um so that was that was a fun one but uh then i went over to ohio after that i always i pretty much shoot the same circuit every year um i went over to ohio and uh i shot well there um it was it was a tough week in Ohio this year. It was rainy and windy and it was that way in Pennsylvania too this year. Um just kind of cold really, whereas normally, especially Ohio is pretty hot. But uh then I went up to Michigan, I believe, yeah, Michigan. And uh shot I shot well there. I love Michigan. Michigan's one of my favorite places to go to. Um, a lot of great people up there. Got a lot of friends up there. And they throw some great targets, especially when the weather's good. I love Michigan. Um, been going up there for quite a few years. Uh, you Did you win? You won the ammo up there. Was it this year or the year before? Uh, last year. Last year. Yes, I did. I won the uh, AJ Supply um, shells for a year shoot off in Michigan, and that that was a lot of fun. It's it's always nice getting. What is it? They give you fifty two cases. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe it was fifty two cases, a case for each each week. Yeah, that, that's 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 always nice. It was. It was great. <laughs> Back some ammunition, especially when you shoot a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And looks like you went to uh, Wisconsin. Yep. Then Iowa. Uh, I shot good there. You know, I can't complain. It's it, This year was just one of those years for me that, you know, I can't complain. I had a good year. I had some good averages. Um, I just don't personally feel like it was a, a very outstanding year to me, you know. Um, 
I didn't break a hundred and handicap this year, which that's always my goal is to try and break one, 100 and handicap a year. Um, unfortunately that doesn't always happen, but it would have been uh, nice for you to do it in Iowa this year. I know. I know. That's, that's what I was thinking. I was trying hard. Uh, I've got a few 99s up in Iowa. So I was, I was pretty hopeful that this year I was going to be able to punch a hundred for it. Uh, but, uh, I shot doubles. I mean, I broke, I don't know how many exactly, but a few, quite a few hundreds and doubles this last year. And, um, you know, maybe three or four, five, two hundreds, you know, nothing spectacular, but it was, it was a good year. And then you had a, you had a good grand. I'm, uh, in my notes here, I have you, you finished, you, you missed 50 targets at the grand out of 2,600. That's pretty good. It is, I, you know, as every trap shooter out there, I'm pretty sure would say I would have liked to miss less, but <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of hard to complain only missing 50 out of 2,600. Yeah, I'm 485 out of the 500 on the super, on the super 500 handicap. So the prelim handicap, you miss 15 out of 500. I can do that on, 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 on one, on just 100, um, and then you shot a four ninety five out of five hundred on the doubles for the prelim. Yeah, so you know I always try my best to you know put up some good numbers in the super five hundred, but you know I, something about it, I always seem to throw in one score that uh, puts me just a little bit lower than where I want to be in those. Um, but I I had a good grand again. I can't complain. I I shot well prelim week, um, carried it into grand week. Didn't obviously shoot as well as I would have liked to because I didn't come out of it with a ring. But, you know, there's always next year. There's tons of people out there every year competing. And um, it's always great to see all the, you know, fantastic competition from all over the country come together and compete head to head and, you know, really duke it out and, you know, see who see who comes out on top that year. Oh, for sure. Um, do you feel like, Shoot, shooting the entire grand, do you feel like it wears you out a little bit when you get down to those last, you know, three days or so? Oh, for sure. It, it definitely does. And, you know, when I was younger, especially when you push really hard and you shoot, you know, the two to three weeks before the grand, you know, um, by the end of the grand, it, it gets pretty tiring because, you know, it's just, it's, long and you know one thing that i always credit to my advantage is growing up in this area and being used to the humidity and the heat you know just the weather of southern illinois so being able to be used to that and you know i definitely think kind of gives me an advantage when it comes to the heat at sparta because, you know, that's a lot of people's biggest complaint when they come to Sparta is, oh, it's so hot. You know, the humidity is a killer. It's like, yeah, trust me. I know I, I grew up. <laughs> just a normal day in Illinois. I'm, you know, being in Indiana, it's, I mean, it's it's normal. You know, that's just, that's just what it is in, in, in August. Right. Um, but I could definitely see people coming from like the West Coast where there's less humidity and I, I could definitely see it being a little bit of a benefit for those, you know, that, that live in the Midwest. 
Oh, it, it definitely is because, you know, it, one of the most memorable things to me was uh, when I was younger, it was that first year that I was at the Grand. I remember these um, people from Alaska. It was an, it was an older couple and um, they were just absolutely dying because it was so, it was like one of the hottest years at the Grand. Um, I believe it was like 115 or 16 that day. It was just horrible. And these two poor people were just dying. Being from Alaska, they're like, I, I can't handle this. I, I was stationed with a guy when I was stationed in uh, D.C. He was from Alaska. And literally on like a 30 degree day, he'd be wearing a T-shirt and he would be like, this is this is warm. Like, and I'd be like in a, in a coat or, you know, a thick sweatshirt. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're crazy. He's like, he's like, this is nothing in Alaska. Like this is like summer in Alaska. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, that's exactly what I told them. I'm like, trust me, I, I'm sure if I came to Alaska in the winter, I'd be saying the same thing. Yeah. Now choosing the Pennsylvania state shoot over the Illinois state shoot being your home, your home shoot, I guess, home state shoot. Is there any particular reason why you do that? Or is it, is it for more points? Is it just because you like Pennsylvania better or? You know, it definitely does have to do with the fact that Pennsylvania is a higher points factor. Um, is, you know, is Illinois a three or are they, are they a four? So Illinois has been a four um, for the last, um, well, for most of the time, but I believe this last year it made a five for the first time. Gotcha. And Pennsylvania is probably a, is it a six? So Pennsylvania used to always be a seven, but within these last two years, um, it's fallen down to a six. Gotcha. And I know a lot of people go there just, just for that, the point factor. And then it always kind of, they always just kind of go over to Ohio afterwards. Those two right. being the, you know, the, the two biggest, you know, state shoots. They are, they definitely are. And, and both of them used to both be sevens and now both of them are sixes. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite place to shoot? You know, that's, that's a hard one for me because there are, there are three places that I, I definitely love to shoot and it's hard for me to really pick a favorite out of those three. Um, but those three would be Michigan, um, the MTA, Sparta, of course. I love Sparta. It's, it's basically my home trap club. Uh, and, um, Tucson, trap and ski. I love shooting in Tucson. I, I've yet to be, to visit Tucson, but, um, I would like to go there at least one time. I love it. Where do you shoot at the Grand? Do you shoot? Um, towards like the vendor area or do you shoot down towards the kind of the open area? I shoot down on the east end um, down towards like the campgrounds and all that. Gotcha. Do you have a particular favorite bank that you always try to shoot at? Um, Not in particular. Um, really, I just I try to stay down on that end. I don't particularly like the, uh, the skeet houses. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I try to stay away from those as much as possible. I, sh- I shot down at the skeet houses this year 
the year before I shot all of them down on the east end. And I would, I would agree with you. I like shooting down there more in the open. I don't know. It just, I don't know. It just seems different. It, it is. I, I definitely feel that way. But, you know, this year I, there was a, a handicap event. I don't remember exactly which one it was at the Grand, but I got stuck in the only event that I, or the only trap I could get for that event was um, Bank One down on the, you know, far west side, the yep. very last. And uh, I ended up breaking a 99 in that handicap. So I'm like, well, okay, maybe it's not so bad down here. <laughs> now, did you participate in the um, North-South shootout this year? The Blue-Gray, yeah. Or Blue-Gray, yeah. Yes, I did. How was that? It was that was a blast. You know, I uh, I actually was fortunate enough I won it this year um, and last year. Uh, the last two years in a row, I was able to come out with it because they uh, the last two years they switched it to a missing out um, so it used to always be the north versus the south um, would go out and they would shoot um, yard, long yardage doubles and then they would just take you know they'd add up the five people's score out of 50 and you know the total 250 team score whoever broke the most won and everybody would just kind of go out there and mess around and have fun and you know it was a light fun thing and uh but these last two years they switched it to a uh, a missing out which you know i think has been a lot of fun and they get the crowd going with it and they get you know the crowd involved and you know picking a place from where we shoot from and you know all the shooters being able to pick a uh, a person who you know if we win they win i think that you know definitely helps get other shooters engaged in it i think it makes it a lot more fun what is your routine between events like like say you're at, at, a, at a large shoot and there's it's a 200 bird singles event what are you typically doing between hundreds are you just going back and relaxing eat lunch or you know i mean that truthfully just depends on where i am you know um if i'm somewhere where proxy is i'll be in between events going in and working inside of the proxy booth and helping out and you know doing things in there um, trying to be helpful and, um, you know, if I'm somewhere where they're not, you know, just go back to my camper, chill out, you know, hang out with some friends. Um, I'm usually always have something to do while I'm at a shoot, you know, somebody calling me, asking me for something or, you know, so I usually tend to stay pretty busy throughout the days when I'm not shooting. What's your, what is your role with Parazi? I mean, what are you helping them with? So I've just always, um, Ever since I got into this um, and started traveling around at the Grand, I um, just started building a relationship with um, Protsy and the people who work there. Al Kondak, he's the general manager of Protsy SA. He's a great friend of mine and does so much for me. Um, and of course, Mauro Protsy and Nicola, I've grown a relationship with them. and um, They help me out tremendously with many things and um so i just whenever i'm in a shoot i'm in there trying to help and do whatever i can if i'll swamped i help try and talk to customers and you know give the gunsmith guns and you know ride up what has to be to, you know just whatever i can yep. do to help help out and you know keep things running smoothly for them i didn't know if uh if they let you get your hands dirty and you know maybe you're doing some rebuilds or you know 
doing some gunsmithing <laughs> type stuff. <laughs> oh, I wish. The only gun they'll let me touch is my own. <laughs> if if you break that one, it's not on them. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what would what would you say is your favorite shooting memory of all time? Oh, you know that's that's a hard one. Um, I've had a lot of great memories with a lot of great people throughout the years, and you know, lots of people that I. I've grown up with in this sport and you know it's hard to say truthfully but it, it would probably have to be when I finally got my grand slam it would probably be my my best memory was you know walking back off of there and you know seeing how proud my mom was of me and um, you know just feeling that sense of accomplishment that I'd wanted for so long you know Pretty much ever since the day I started shooting, that's something that I wanted. Yep. Up up until you get your first ring, and then then it'll be it'll be done. Right. <laughs> exactly. Once I get that, then then uh, then we'll have to have that conversation again. Yep. Uh, ha- who has been some of your mentors in the sport, and if have you had any lessons from anybody? So the only um, lessons that I ever had taken was I took um Leo Harrison's very last clinic in um 2013 mm-hmm. he came to Run Lake Shooting Complex which is the nearest gun club to me it's about 40 minutes from me um to give a clinic right before the grand that year and uh I went there and did that one and uh that was the only clinic that I had ever taken what was your biggest takeaway from that clinic? I mean, obviously you were you're pretty young, um, but I'm sure you learned something. You know, my biggest takeaway from that was uh, I was always mm. a very like fast paced person, and Leo was like, you know, that's okay. You, it's okay to be fast, but you got to be controllably fast. Mm-hmm. So that's that was something that I always from that day on worked at was, you know, it's okay to be fast, but you gotta be controllably fast. Yep. That makes sense. Um big question. Um a lot of people want want to know this. Junior gold or open category this year? You know, that's that's something <laughs> that people have been bugging me about for a couple of years. You know. Um, but I give the same answer every time somebody asks me and it's, you know, I have 30 plus years in the open category and, uh, you know, why not take advantage of being able to be junior gold while I still can, you know, why yeah. I had a couple more years onto that 30 plus already. Yep. Absolutely. So how many more year- years do you have? Is it, is this your last year in junior gold? Do you have another one? Um, I believe I have two more years. Okay. The way this year and next year. Yes. Because the way my birthday falls, my birthday is December 1st. So I won't turn until, uh, after the deadline. Gotcha. Any idea, any idea on Dagan? And, uh, no. So every, me and Dagan, I love Dagan to death. He's been a, a great person to me. And that's somebody that uh, is one of the few people that was actually around and traveling when I still, when I first started shooting, um, that is still out 
traveling around shooting you know a lot of those people that uh i grew up around with shooting you know like in sub junior and stuff don't shoot anymore you know so Hagen's one of those few people that you know is still around um that's been around since i started shooting and started traveling around for all american so um the last time that me and dagan had a conversation was the grand obviously and uh me and Dagan both pretty much felt the same way as far as uh, we were both just going to stick to junior gold as long as we were able to. Yeah, I, I was I was referencing how how many more years does he have? Is, is he oh. older than you or is he younger than you? Or So I believe me and Dagan are the same age. Um pretty much he, he'd be several he'd be a few months older than me just the way that it works out with our birthdays i believe yep. uh, i get an extra year more than he does okay gotcha I, I you know every time i look at the um like the high overall for the grand like the winners there's like a i don't know it's like a i don't know 10 or 11 year like rain it's like leo stafford leo stafford it's like that, every time I look at that, I think of, you know, Dagan Ian, Dagan Ian. It's like, I, I think you two could do a, to go on a run of that, you know, sword at the grand for the high overall. And you guys could put several years, you know, together like that. So I, I think, I think it'd be cool if that happened. I think that, uh, that would be an amazing thing. And I think that if, uh, me and Dagan continue on the past that we're, you know we're on i mean you know dagan's obviously already proven that he has that ability um so i think if we both continue on the path that we're on that that is something that could definitely be a possibility and would be something that i would definitely look forward to and you know i think it's great to be able to have good friendly competition and you know me and dagan are friends and will always be that way as far as i'm concerned and you know it's always like Hey, you know, great shooting. You got them today. Hopefully I'll get them tomorrow. You know, it's, it's great to have that kind of friendly competition around. And, you know, there's great competition out there, especially in the junior gold category. That's a, it's a tough category. It is. It is. Um, so I, I think everybody in open is glad for that junior category, that junior gold category. <laughs> I know. Oh, there for a while they uh they ragged on it, but I think that they're kind of glad it's there now. Yeah, for sure. Um, ammo preference. What do you what do you like to shoot? You know, right now I'm shooting Winchester double A's, and and that's that's my been my favorite ammunition. I've just absolutely loved that ammunition. Um. I feel like it just it patterns the best through my gun, and I I have the most confidence in that personally. Uh, I'm assuming super handicaps for handicap. Yeah. Um, what about singles and doubles? Um, singles, I'm just shooting, you know, a regular 11.45.8. Um, and then doubles, my first shot is an 11.45.8, and my second shot is a 12.07.5. So heavy on the second one. Yep, a heavy seven and a half on the second shot. Gotcha. Um, any superstitions while you're shooting? You know, really, the only superstitions I have is you. Um, you cannot touch my shells. Nobody else can touch 
my box of shells but me <laughs> i don't so, like if you it i'm taking it out of my bag and i'm gonna go get another box of shells <laughs> that one um and uh one thing that uh, I do is I also shake. I sit there and before the round, I I shake the shells. Yeah, wake up. You know, Dave Schaefer talked. He always said that uh, you gotta shake them to wake them up. Make sure they're ready to do their job. Yep, absolutely. I I've I've started doing that too, and it, and mine branched off of in the morning when I get my like when I get my coffee and I get the K and I get the little K cup out. I always like shake it and my my reasoning is to level out the grains so when you know the water it, it makes it it's all even right and and now now it's just like a habit so like i i'll pick up my shell my first shell and i'll just like shake it just you know just to make sure everything's everything's right you know absolutely you know it's just little things like that that can help you you know i'm not saying that that has anything to do with anything but it's just something that you know helps in your mind to help get your mind right and get it ready you know and anything that i think helps with that is good you know yeah absolutely like like i said i saw you doing your your hair thing i was like hey man if it works just keep doing it oh absolutely you know and and that's the thing is everybody's so different like me and dagan are, are two perfect examples like we couldn't be more polar opposite shooters you know Dagan, Dagan tends to take a little bit longer of a time and is very slow and methodical with everything that he does. And, you know, is, is pretty much like a statue while he's out there shooting and it, you know, it's very impressive to watch. Whereas like me, I'm out there and I'm constantly moving. And as soon as it's my turn to shoot, I'm pretty much shooting, you know, like it just, there just couldn't be two more polar opposite styles. There's, I think great proof of doesn't really matter how you do it as long as it works for you that's what matters yep um a doubles tip that you wish you knew or figured out earlier than you did like what's something that just kind of that you figured out and kind of the light bulb went off and you're like oh if i would have just did that you know a year ago or you know two years ago to always shoot a practice in the morning when doubles is first okay just to kind of get used to because i always had a problem with my eyes wanting to stick on the first target like when i'm shooting and it's doubles in the morning um my eyes tend to be a little bit slower whereas you know if you're shooting singles or handicap you're only trying to look at one target it's not really that big of a problem Mm -hmm. but when you're shooting doubles you know you got to move your eyes quickly after you see that first one you got to be looking for that second one and i'd i'd have a tendency to once i'd shoot that first one my eyes would just want to sit there and look at the you know black cloud of dust and not oh hey there's another one so i'd go always shoot a practice every morning when the doubles was first to get my eyes wanting to move to that second target but you don't do it if doubles is like second or third for the day right right okay now do you shoot if you shoot a practice in the morning on any other events no not typically just doubles no. gotcha yeah only if doubles is now granted if i feel like i have something that i need to go out there and work on if i'm having some certain issue or i may be having a trouble with a post or something then then yeah i'll go out and I'll, I'll shoot a practice in the morning and try and work on that or something but not just normally yeah that makes sense 
Uh, last question here for you, then I'll let you go. Um, go ahead and give a shout out or a, a thanks to anyone that you'd like to. You know, I, I got to say, there's been a lot of people out there that have helped me along the way with this sport. And I've met many and many great people. And, um, you know, I no bigger thanks goes to, you know, my mom and my dad, especially my mother. She's done so much for me throughout this, you know, crazy 10 plus year journey. And um, she sacrificed a lot to be able to go out on the road with me and, you know, do this crazy sport of trap shooting. And, you know, um, there was an older gentleman, Harold Bowers, who ran the Evansville Gun Club, who he helped me out a lot when I was younger, who uh, he, he helped me get to the 27 yard line. I was stuck on the 26 and just couldn't get off of it. And he, he, he gave me a little tip that helped me get off that, you know, Dave Schaefer, he was the one who told me to hold that gun up higher boy. I was uh, in Florida. First time I ever went to Florida, and man, I was struggling so bad I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, both hands if I tried. And uh, I walked off, and there was a guy sitting there keeping score, and he said, hey, buddy, come here. So I walked over, and he was like, hey, he's like, can I give you a piece of advice? I was like, sure. He was like, you know how you're holding that gun down on the trap? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, hold it way up there. Bring that gun up, boy. It's like, okay. So then I went back and finding out that that person was Dave Schaefer and he was sitting, keeping score for me. And, uh, after that, you know, I just kind of kept in touch a little bit with Dave and, you know, I kind of found out that, you know, he held the singles long run and all that. And, um, Dave just always kind of helped me out. And then, um, another gentleman, Dave Bicknell from Connecticut, he was, a guy who's always been my friend and stood up for me and been there when I needed it. And of course, Prozzi and Al Kondak and all those guys over there who helped me achieve what I achieve and keep me going throughout the year. And, uh, you know, there's so many people out there that it's kind of hard to list them all off and name them all off. But, uh, that's the great thing about this sport, in my opinion, is uh, the amount of great people that are out there in it who you can meet and be- become friends with. You know, it was that's something I sat down and figured out one day. There's not a state in the country that I don't have a friend in. That's awesome. Um, I definitely appreciate you taking the time and coming on. I've been wanting to get you on for a while here, so I'm glad. I'm glad we finally got got connected here. Um, uh, appreciate you coming on and de- definitely wish you the best of luck in this upcoming season. Yeah, well, absolutely. It was a lot of fun and I appreciate you having me on and it was great talking with you and I appreciate it. And I, I definitely have uh, watched you and I think that uh, you've definitely got some potential to be a great shooter. So keep your, uh, keep your head down and keep going on. And I expect to see some big things out of you in the next few years. Before we close it out for the week, I want to thank my sponsors for supporting me here. Fioki Ammunition. Do yourself a favor and try some shooting dynamics or white rhinos. Some of the best shooters in the game today shoot Fioki. Everybody's favorite gun dealer, Michael Gooch with the Indiana Gun Club. Stop in and check out his inventory at a shoot. Michael travels all over the Midwest and East Coast while providing top-notch service. AJ Supplies. They've been with us since day one. Be sure to reach out to AJ Supplies for all your reloading needs by calling 
Diamond 8 Leather. Randall creates quality leather gear for shooting enthusiasts. Visit d8leather.com for samples of his craftsmanship. Chet Herod with Herod Insurance. They've been servicing Ohio for three generations. Chet can be reached at 419-303-2218 or visit herodinsurance.com. Shamrock Sporting Arms. Jonathan travels all over the Northeast providing shooters with Pila glasses, Craigoff accessories, and ammunition. Visit shamrocksportingarms.com for more info. Ezoc CLP and Gun Care Solution providing the best cleaning, dry lubrication, long-lasting corrosion protection, and leaves your shotgun looking brand new. Visit ezox.com for more info. Last but certainly not least, visit trapshootersunited.com. Orders here help support the show. I have Pila and Ranger shooting glasses, Trap Shooters United shirts, hats, visors. Go ahead and get your swag on for the next shoot. I also have a shooting journal that can be purchased on Amazon. This is a low-cost but extremely beneficial tool that's great for all competitive shooters, regardless of discipline. Keep notes from each shoot ranging from a practice session to the world championships. That's a wrap on this episode of the Trap Shooters United podcast. Thank you all for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. See you all out on the trap line.